you know Gork and them? I do. Yeah, I've gotten to know Gork. I got I met him in well, officially in February. Um, but uh when I was a kid, he actually was at he would come and race at one of the local tracks up in Washington when he worked for Seattle Bike Supply. Oh, God, when you were a kid and he was working. So I remember Craig when he was the starter at our local races around the Sacramento area. Really? At the UBR races. Yeah. He was a starter. And uh, when him and his brother weren't racing side hacks, he'd be the local starter for the tracks. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's 80, 81, 82. So he used to bring uh, redline side hacks, as I would say it was probably a form of marketing um, as much as it was fun, but he would bring those up to our local tracks. For him, it was probably first fun, then marketing. That makes sense. Diehard side hacker from way back. (laughs) BMX Breakthrough is bridging the gap from old school to new school, from tracks to manufacturers, from new riders to their local tracks, and it doesn't stop at racing, but the mission is to connect people with bikes. Join me, Jay Oaks, as I interview key people in the sport and in the industry that are involved in their local circles, in their communities, at their local tracks, and aiming to make a difference on a local level. You'll hear stories, marketing tips, failures, successes, and a way to make a difference in your local BMX community. Let's dive in as we kick off this next episode. So my name's Todd Huffman. Um, I've been involved with bicycle industry for a long time, future past racer, pro racer. I got to um had the privilege of being on Team SE back when it was a thing. And uh we were known as you know kind of the bad boys on the block and rode in the infamous bus in 1982 on tour. And uh yeah, I left. I was working for them as a sales rep, and then I uh, quit there, and me and Bob Morales started more distributing, which also ended up creating the Auburn brand that uh, GT made for us, and did that for a few years, and then went to work for GT for 10 years as their marketing director, and you know that was a really fun time because it was in the heyday of the mountain bike development, and the BMX teams were just blowing up. Uh, we were called the firm and uh, for good reason, because we had, you know, four different teams and they were all winning and uh, just the development of the bikes and the products and everything was really cool. And then after that, you know, attempted to be in the event uh, business, uh, put on a couple of these events called inverts, which were kind of like a precursor to the X games. And uh, they weren't successful. They were kind of innovative, but, um and at the same time was starting up a video production company so that's kind of taken up the bulk of the last 20 years and then uh you know a few years ago I stumbled across the idea with uh Johnny Valdez on you know getting some people together to create kind of a NorCal BMX reunion and maybe a party or a weekend or something that turned into the what we now know as the Frogtown classic BMX days. So, and for that, the rest is history, right? So, that's and we're awesome. on year four. So, September 6th through the 8th, you know, perfect. 2024, um, Frogtown four happens. So, and I cannot advocate enough for that event. I, Man, I have been, I will say that it has, it has changed my life, which sounds incredibly cliche to say, but I mean, Todd, you and I have spent a bit of time together now. I I wasn't able to be at the first one, um, but being at the last two Frogtown events is, has just been so much fun and it has ignited a whole new level of, of desire and excitement for the sport of BMX in in my life so well and i think in other you know you're not alone you know um we have you know been saying that you know the last couple years like we're creating new old bmxers right guys that haven't been on a bike or in 30 or 40 years uh come to frogtown either the first one the second one or last year this year and uh they're now going back to their local tracks and riding every week and 
training and starting teams and dragging their kids and grandkids to the races and they're riding and you know uh robert taylor who rides for race incorporated race inc um uh just won the grants right and um as of you know before september of last year he hadn't been on a bike in 40 years you know and yeah after frogtown he started riding and going to nationals and had a big old honking trophy taller than him like he was when he was a kid holding his hands with his gold race ink there you know from tulsa so it's really cool to see and you're not alone <laughs> that people i think forgot how big a part of life those 20 inch bikes with knobby tires were back in the day and and uh you know getting to feel like they're 15 again so absolutely well so so to that one of my (laughs) questions for you would be what do you see as the value of the old school bmxers so whether whether they're old school bmxers that are that were still involved or are involved as as a result of some sort of spark, whether it be Frogtown or Dirty Fest or any one of the the old school events, something is reignited in them. What is the value that you see of those people being involved in the sport? Well, you know, they can buy a, a, a new USA BMX membership just like a 12-year-old can or a 12-year-old's parents can, right? And so, you know however many handful or several handfuls or hundred handfuls of riders that are buying memberships is good for whether they're six or 60. Right. So, you know, that can do nothing but help the sport. It, you know, it adds, you know, collectively a few motos to the local racetrack moto count during the week or twice a week or whatever they race in. Like, so it just adds to the numbers and those people buy products you know, so there's new bike sales going out. You know, you guys riding those race inks, you know, are probably selling some of those racing cruisers, right? To yeah, guys that need to buy a new bike because they don't have a bike. <laughs> they sold their bike 40 years ago, maybe borrowed one for the Texas, you know, BMX Classic or Dirty Fest or something, and they need a bike now, right? And so, and they can't afford to spend the money, right? That's the other part. They got discretionary income right and so they can afford to travel because maybe some are even retired by now right and you know their family members look up to them their kids and their grandkids and whatever so it's the the trickle down effect is maybe even more so than you know with a kind of i'll say a modern dad if that's a term or modern mom that their kid gets into bmx racing because the kid down the street does it right so the evangelism effect (laughs) <laughs> from an established person who grew up with BMX in their life, even if it was 40 years ago, uh, is really strong and beneficial to the sport overall. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that you have, like you said, you have discretionary funds when you are, you know, maybe into your 40s, 50s, 60s, you have a little bit larger discretionary fund. Um, you probably don't have as many kids at home, if any. And so you have a little bit more freedom to be involved in the sport. But one of the things that has stood out to me being a part of these events and the part of the desire of the BMX breakthrough project is to continue creating that bridge from, from old school to new school. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have a conversation with you was based on the fact that, that there are so many opportunities and going to the old school events, being able to meet the founders of a sport. And I say founders as, you know, the original pros or meeting someone like Bob Osborne or meeting the original photographers, meeting these people that are foundational to the sport. And there aren't many sports where you can meet and know the people that started something and started a movement. And I just think it's so cool and valuable for a 13-year-old now who's competitive in the sport to be able to look at and meet some of the the original pros from the sport of BMX. Yeah, I mean, you see the enthusiasm. I mean, you've been there two years now. I mean, look at our legend autograph session, right? Yeah. Look who we got there and look at the line of people of all ages lined up for 
60, 90, 120 minutes to get the autograph from these guys. And where else, you know, do you get to see those? I mean, obviously the Hall of Fame and things like that, there's around regionally, but you know, the sheer concentration of them in Angels Camp, you know, on that on that Saturday is um pretty special. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are just and gals are just regular people at the end of the day. And, you know, they may have been a superstar in the past and but now they're just grandparents themselves and they just want to hang out too. They're just as enthusiastic about being there as you are, or, you know, someone else that, you know, maybe wasn't a BMX pioneer or superstar back in 1981, you know, but they're just happy to be there too. You know what I mean? And they're just happy that guys like, you know, you and I are enthusiastic about them being there and, and, um, you know, they're getting to kind of relive their childhood too. So, you know, at the end of the day, they're just BMX fans. Yeah. I think that, that getting to meet you. So the first time that I met you, I'd heard about the Frogtown event, but I had, I met you at the BMX society show in uh, 22, um, when, uh, Bob Osborne was given a lifetime achievement award and got to talk to you about it. And that, got me excited. I saw the dates on the postcard that you were giving out. And that was when my dad and I started making plans that, okay, we're going to be there. And, um, and so I think at that point I started to get really excited and that was, that event was a huge jumping off point for this project in and of itself. But the idea of that was reinvigorating. And I had taken 20 years away from BMX racing at that point. And then I started seeing, as we got back into it, I started seeing all the, the valuable pieces of the way, the way that BMX contributed to my life and, and what it had added to my life and seeing that, okay, my kids can be a part of this too. And they can meet these people uh, that were a part of starting the sport. And, uh, and, and that was just, I think that was just really exciting to me because of, of the opportunity and, I love, I love the the history of the sport. And so where, where you come in and you've been so valuable as you were talking about Johnny uh, and you working on the Frogtown classic BMX days. So what was the, what was your launching point or what was the, the spark that ignited that flame um, in order to get this whole project moving forward? Heck, a new industry movement, so to speak, you know, right? When you think about it, what's kind of uh, was born out of that event now. So, you know, um, there's been um, a host of those regional Hall of Fames that have sprung up in the last few years. You know, the yeah. Texas one is probably the most prominent one, um, but they have them now in Florida and New Jersey and Nebraska and and you know, as California is kind of the birthplace of BMX, Southern California in particular, Northern California wasn't far behind it, right? And for, um, and most of the, a lot of the National BMX Hall of Fame members seem to come from Southern California, right? So um, there'd been some talk of, you know, Johnny ran and created and ran the UBR and we're like, thinking oh, we should get some people together you know just have a ubr reunion not even talk about like a hall of fame or anything and and you know everybody's been to that lame high school reunion you know that takes place in some crappy hotel ballroom for a few hours you know every 10 years or five years whatever right and you, you barely get to talk to anybody you have one conversation with one person and somebody else pulls you away and you don't ever get back to that person and then you don't see them again for 10 years right so you know we know that experience and as we talked about this, like, God, yeah, but we don't even that, you know, the BMX hall of fame, which is awesome. There's just not enough time in a few hours to rekindle some of these good times and memories um, that you had with all these people. And so when Johnny and I were kind of kicking it around about doing something, I said, well, what if you, what if we did like a weekend thing, you know, like found a place, maybe we even had a race or something. And, and John says, oh, that'd be kind of cool. And just because he lives up by there, I said, I just kind of blurted out. I said, what's up with the old Frogtown property? Like, half kidding, you know. And John just said, it's still there. I said, what do you mean it's still there? He says, yeah, they haven't ever touched it since the track was there, you know, 40 years ago. 
they, he says they still park cars on it for the frog jumping the fair once a year, you know? And I said, Oh, that's amazing. I, he goes, I was just by there a week ago, you know, looked over at it, you know? And, uh, I said, well, that's really interesting, you know? And so that was before COVID, I think. And so obviously that just stalled everything, but man, as soon as 20, 20 yeah 20 later in 2020 started coming around we started talking about it early 2021 and man i started making some calls you know the first people i call is the fairgrounds you know hey you interested in this this used to happen here 40 years ago and uh Lori giannini the fair director was like sounds great let's do it you know and i was like wow you know okay that hurdle's been crossed, you know, getting the dirt, you know? Yeah. And uh, then it was just a matter of, you know, finding people to run the races and, you know, Johnny, of course he had to challenge me. He's like, Todd, you know, it'll cost at least 25 grand to do that thing, you know? And I'm said, yeah. Okay. So what, you know, he's like, Phew. you know, <laughs> but, you know, raising those kinds of sponsorship monies and and little chunks like that from companies is not a scary deal for me. I've been doing it my whole life, you know, so, you know, from chasing WD 40 and LA gear and whatever at GT bicycles all those years ago. So, you know, to our own events, you know, I'm not afraid to ask people for money for putting a logo on some poster and some banners along a racetrack. So that was, that's a, cool. That it's funny. Deterring force at all. Yeah, that makes sense. It's funny how how nonchalantly you say this. So, I mean, if for anybody listening to the conversation, Todd, when you said we got the land and then all we had to do was put together, you know, the people to run the races and all that stuff. And Todd, <laughs> it's funny because I've been there. I've been a part of it. And obviously it has expanded. It's grown in the last three years of um, of time. I wasn't there on the first year, but, uh, but all you have to do is, and it's a massive event. It's, it's become this massive thing. So it's funny how nonchalant you are about all the work that actually goes, has gone into it. Well, and I know I'm oversimplifying it a little bit, but I think part of that is we just know we're going to find the people that want to help. Right. We know. Makes sense. Just knew that this was going to be something that everybody would want to be part of. Like, so it's not like we were going to go have to run an ad in Craigslist to find, Hey, looking for people that have a background in BMX racing that may want to like, no, it was just, you put the, you know, it's like the field of dreams, right? Yeah. If you build it, they will come, you know, kind of a deal. Right. Or he Absolutely. will come. Um, but yeah, we just, it just felt like it was going to be, that was going to be the easy part is getting help to do it. Right. That's and awesome. I'm fortunate to, to know a bunch of these, these legend guys, you know, um, I raced with them, been dealing with them in the industry forever. And so to call the Pattersons, you know, to see if one thing, if they want to even come and they think it's a good idea or John Cruz or whatever, but then, you know, Hey, do you guys want to be a sponsor too? Cause they own a big company in the Bay area, you know, or Toby Henderson, you know, um, his company, I think they were the first ones to say, yeah, we'll be a sponsor, you know? So, um, and that just feed when you can start name dropping people who are going to be there, you know, it's helpful, you know, yeah. Oh, the Patterson's going to be there. Oh, John Cruz did the logo. He's designing trophies. Uh, you know, that's cool. I know for me, it's been really fun to get to meet people. And, and like you said, you have the reunion side of things where to, to bring people into that, if it would have just been a UBR reunion, it wouldn't have, there's a good chance that it wouldn't have gotten my attention. Um, my dad might've been interested in going, but it might not have been something that he drug me along to um, and, uh, and, and said, Hey, you should come to this. But the way that you ended up designing it was to be a race and to make it fun for the whole family and to make it something that anybody could participate in. And then the fact that it's three days long, it is something that I can – I've been able to build a relationship with people that I might have never met uh, aside from that. And I've built 
good friendships and relationships with people um, over the years of, or the last, I guess, solid year of getting to meet people and race with people and being able to have conversations because you can, you can sit there or you can race during the day. And then in the evening you have dinner, go out, grab a beer, whatever the case may be. And you have a lot of time to build relationship as opposed to just a couple hours in the ballroom. Yeah. And honestly, that was the whole design. I mean, the racing is just kind of a byproduct of it, but we wanted people that had these, you know, you know, kind of long, meaningful relationships when they were kids to have the time to hang out, you know, and, and that's why it's three days. In fact, that's why it's going to be more, <laughs> not more than three days, but we're going to go back to making Sunday as important as Saturday. Right. And so people have to hang out longer. Right. And, um, you know, that was just by design, you know, so. Yeah. And, and speaking to the level of fun, I mean, there are a lot of people that are probably listening to this, that back home that have heard me go on rants about how much they should prioritize coming to Frogtown. This year was our, our areas, the Northwest gold cup qualifier. So there were a lot of people that want, mentioned wanting to go to Frogtown, but they just had Gold Cup. And I said, oh man, this will be so much more fun. This will be way more fun. And uh, and they had already booked things and they, they didn't want to back out of it. And they had an opportunity to earn a Gold Cup one plate. So I completely understood that. But it is, it is a level of fun that I think is hard to understand unless you've been there. And, but I just want to say, tell you this, because I think that it's, helpful for you to know is that I talk about it as the most fun racing of the year that I get to do. I love racing on modern BMX tracks um, because I just enjoy the the racing um, in yeah. and of itself. But this last week I was at Grands and I ended up getting to see Cheeseburger, Jason Morris, and um, we were we ended up racing together for two classes. And anyway, I was coming up to him at practice and I said, hey, how's it going? And he goes, I'd be smiling a whole lot more if we were on an old school track right now. Oh, and... <laughs> probably drink a tear. <laughs> well, I mean, that's we were talking about it, and I said this is fun and all, but those tracks are definitely the most fun. And so we were in agreement on that, and one hundred percent, it was very sincere. It was because there's there's nothing quite like that because nobody's competing for points there's a trophy on the line but everybody's smiling they're having a good time there i guess there might be some people that get overly competitive but <laughs> you're just out there to play in the dirt on two wheels <laughs> yeah when people can get you know pushed off the turn by chris moeller or taken out by jason morris gets taken out by his own <laughs> manager or team leader or the, he crashes because and everybody gets up laughing, covered in dirt and dust and, you know, not, you know, locked into soil tack or whatever. You know, I, I get the most yeah. kick seeing the little kids, you know, riding with flat pedals, you know, knobby tires. And they're having the time of their life, you know. And um, I think I talked to some kids on Sunday at Frogtown, said, hey, kids, how do you, and these are little eight-year-old, 10-year-old kids. I said, how do you like the track? And, and they go, oh, this is the best track. It's really fun, you know? <laughs> um, I'm like, okay, my job is complete. Pack it up, go home, you know? Yeah. So. Well, because there's there's a different art involved to modern racing. There's a lot of, it's very fast, um, but you have smooth tracks, and something there's a variable that you have on the old school tracks that don't factor into modern racing, which is, you know, having potholes, having blown out corners, having flat corners, um, all the dust. Yeah, rock, rocks that all of a sudden m m miraculously appear out of the ground and all of a sudden <laughs> get rolled into your way or something. They do. They and, and it makes it fun. And, and my kids, my kids love Frogtown. They haven't been yet. This is the funny part. They haven't been yet, but they have Frogtown jerseys because my dad, grandpa brought them back. Um, and or, or G paw rather he brought, <laughs> brought back jerseys, um, after the first year. And I've heard my son in staging telling five-year-olds, this is my Frogtown Jersey. And, um, and he just, he absolutely loves the idea. He got to, my kids got to go to dirty fest this last year. And, 
um, because that uh, wasn't during school. And so it would just fit into the schedule a little bit better. But, but talking about that is they had so much fun and they know, they know Toby. And so when they saw that Toby was in their, their pit bike moto, all, my, my five-year-old started saying, I'm going to beat Toby. And <laughs> it's just, uh, it's so fun to watch these little kids as, and, and it's not just my kids, but other people's kids as well, that just really enjoy the environment that has been created, um, amidst a bunch of people that are just there to have a good time well and we um have come across several kids yet you know because that area up there where angels camp is you know there's not much up there you know the closest track is 90 minutes away or almost two hours you know so um they don't have that kind of stuff activity going on up there and frogtown was a lot of you know, not a lot, but a handful of kids first BMX race. Right. Wow. Because they had an older brother or a friend or whatever. It was just because they heard about it and then they told mom and dad, Hey, I want to do this. And they show up with a completely stock too big overloaded with reflectors and chain guards bike, you know, um, and they race or, the parents heard about it and said, Hey, do you want to do this? This looks like fun. And they show up with a helmet and whatever, you know, and, and guess what? They're BMX racers now. Right. And Absolutely. they're going to find their way 90 minutes down the hill to Manteca or somewhere else, you know, um, to start racing Roseville Oak Creek and they'll chart they'll, they'll become BMX racers, you know, because of a positive experience at Frogtown, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Because because all of a sudden they've they've been able to see it and i know the conversations that i've had are there there are different bmx t-shirts that i have as a result of going to frogtown and they start these conversations of like the the second year frogtown shirt it was tan with um oh i can't remember who was on the front or who was on Jimmy the front Dean. of it jimmy Dean. Jimmy Dean. Yeah. okay and so that that shirt in and of itself, it started a conversation where people would say, Hey, I used to read a magazine that looked like that. And, and so we've had conversations around that, or I talked to people about, uh, yeah, went to this old school BMX race and do you have history in the sport? And they'll talk about when they were a kid and they used to ride a bike. And they said, I think the, the guys that I used to watch ride, I like Bob Harrow. And I said, Oh, he was there. Oh, he was there. And, and so it's really neat because then all of a sudden there's a, a conversation that leads to, wow, I haven't been on my bike in a lot of years. I bet my kid might like that. Is there a track around here? Yeah. See, and it's conversation starter. Ground, that's ground zero for a renewed BMX racer. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did you, um, Jay, did you see any Frogtown jerseys at, at Oklahoma, you know, I don't think I saw any Frogtown jerseys. Okay. I'm not surprised. No. It would just be really cool if you did. It would, yeah. Un unfortunately, I, now I'm wishing that I could say that I had, but uh, no, I haven't. Didn't see any there. I saw one recently. Where where was I? I was at a track recently where I saw somebody in a Frogtown jersey, and. I was really surprised. And so anyway, we ended up having a conversation about it though. And, um, and they had, they had gone, but I didn't see them at the race. I can't even remember who it was, but I hadn't seen them at the event, but I, I think that what you've, what you've done though is really neat because like I said, the value of people being involved in BMX is above and beyond. I think what you can actually put into a, a tangible, uh, concept or a tangent some anything that you can actually grasp i think there's so much value to it and then the memories that can be made made from it and then the level of being able to be on your bike being able to race whether you're competitive or not it doesn't matter if you're winning there are a lot of people that will go out there literally just to ride the track yeah i mean in fact this year we <laughs> i always tell my friends you know these guys who are legendary you know BMX legends and and even others that are so excited to get back out there knowing they're pretty competitive, you know. And I'm like, guys, remember we all have to work on Monday, right? <laughs> and 
And as we know, we've had, you know, good thing we have a hospitals as a sponsor at Frogtown, right? Because we <laughs> definitely use them, right? And that's why we created that, you know, for the glory only class, right? No yeah. awards, no points, no scorekeeping. You just get to roll, roll off the gate three times with your buddies, you know, and, you know, know that all these people are cheering you on on the sides. That's what you're riding for, you know? So. Yeah. Or the, or the class that you created this last year, um, that was, it, it was not bike specific, but it was just, uh, was it just age category? Yeah. The age opens, but well, because, you know, the whole idea, because, you know, obviously way back when between, you know, 1975 and I don't know, 83 to 85, man, the technology evolution was really steep right so the first idea was hey let's have these era correct classes because no one's really racing as an intermediate or an expert so the whole skill level categorization doesn't really matter right it's all about the bikes right and um and that was all cool but we found that you know some people had bikes like from 1977 but like their buddy has a bike from like 83, right? Or a cruiser, right? And they want to ride the error correct class, but they also just want to race against their buddy, right? They want to line up with their friend. And so then we created these age group opens that's kind of, hey, you can ride whatever, 20 inch, 26 inch, old, older, newer, you know? Yeah. And it's very popular, you know? Not as popular. I think our the retro cruiser class is still the most popular. I would I would agree with that. Cruiser class, yeah, that Toby and Stu and all those guys ride. Yeah, yeah, I think there are a lot of guys, and this last year you divided it because I think there were there were a lot of a lot of people coming out just to just because they wanted to be able to say that they had beat one of the old school pros. (laughs) If we would have left um left it combined, it would have been we would have had like sixteenths, you know, semis or something. You know, so we ended up breaking it up into, I think, four or five age groups. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to watch. I will say that one thing that I learned this last year and I'm I'm conflicted about it is because I ended up racing three classes on Saturday and I ended up racing so much that I didn't actually get to watch a whole lot of racing because I was always climbing back up the hill and so that's one of the the balances that is is tough to figure out because I enjoy the racing side. Um, then after Frogtown, Chris Moeller had talked about on Instagram how he enjoyed just racing one class this year as opposed to year two where he raced like I don't know eight different classes. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he I said he actually got to watch. Five. He had his wife and kids pushing his bikes up to the starting line, so he <laughs> it was a family effort for the Moeller family, you know. So. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I don't know, seems like better now than ever uh, to start eking information out. I think we're going to, for this year, 2024, next year, still 2023, we're going to kind of move to a two moto system, total points, you okay. know, get rid of the third moto. Um, you know, we forget everybody's in their forties, fifties and sixties, you know, they don't need the third moto. But they need to qual- you need to qualify the same amount of people to the semi or the main for sure. But um, you know, we get 33% of our time back by only having two, you know, which means more hangout, visit time, slows everything down a little bit. And more than likely, we're gonna put the uh semis and mains back to Sunday. Okay. So we're gonna force people to stay one more night. Sunday you know, was kind of not as good as it should have been this year because everybody left. Right. And, you know, we still have new people coming to race the modern classes and they talk, they hear about this great vintage and all the stars of the sports are there and these sponsors and well, no one's there, you know, and we charge people to park, you know, and so we just need to make Sunday more interesting again. And so, and we also have promised, you know, we've always talked to, to the community leaders that, Hey, we're there to, help the economy of the town too right so you know by making everybody stay one more night that's just more breakfasts and dinners being 
bought at local restaurants and hotels and whatever, you know. So the goal is to still get um, done early enough on Sunday that uh, people still get on the road, you know, to get home to L.A. or San Diego or Washington or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, reasonable time. So. Well, I think there's, unfortunately, there's something that's that's lost if it's just a one-day event. And I felt that this last year. And so to to advocate on your behalf is being able to be at that event and and staying the evening. You can go out to, to get dinner or go out and hang out with friends on that Saturday night. And, and Sunday when there were, because people left for Sunday, they would say, oh, I'm going to head out late Saturday or I'm going to head out first thing Sunday. And so you just wouldn't see them. And it and I, I feel like it lost a little bit. I really enjoyed the the two day type of system that that we had used just because it was it required you to come back and it um, and it, it extended the whole idea it felt like um it was a full weekend of being able to ride and being able to hang out and um being able to have conversations with people and so uh, i think that that's fantastic well keep cheerleading it because it feels like that's the way it's going to happen and <laughs> hey we're going to give people plenty of time saturday hopefully we get done early people can go home go back to the hotels you know, take a nap, get ready to go to our party Saturday night. If we do that thing again, um, heck, you just got to rest up to head out for the dirty fest deal down at my bar, downtown angels camp, right? You need, you need to rest up for that thing. Those nights. Yeah. 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 Cause and you gotta, you gotta see if you're, if you're ready to hang out with, uh, Mike Miranda and keep the same kind of hours that that dude can keep. Oh yeah. And his possible. Uh, right. Yeah. Oh man. Him and Eric and JV, they were down at, at my bar and, uh, and I may have quit. <laughs> I, I definitely quit before them. I, I decided I was going to go get some sleep. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with us being done by two o'clock on Saturday, like done. We're done for today. You know, maybe we do awards for the bike show on Saturday and that's it. So the Saturday, the bike show people get their moment in the sun because the big day, you know, for the vintage racing is the final Sunday. Right. So, you know, yeah. anyhow, that's, those are some plans, things that are kind of happening. So. Yeah. It, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. So having, having new riders come in to, to Frogtown and you've been able to see this a few years now. And I think for the last couple of years, there's a, a pretty big, few motos full of kids on striders full of younger kids um i mean the time that you've gotten to spend with those kids and the parents and uh are you seeing that as like reinvigorating some of the the excitement or uh further fueling the fire and this love for bmx for those kids yeah i mean it has to i mean you know a lot of those kids are there because all of a sudden we, you know, I like to use the, you know, term Walter Isaacson used in the book about Steve Jobs, right? And something I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, Steve Jobs created products that people didn't know they needed yet, right? Yeah. You know, like the iPod or iPhone or iMac, whatever. Like he, he, and so we kind of feel like we created something that people didn't realize they needed in their lives, right? And not that and no one's a Steve Jobs, but at least for BMX, these grandparents and parents, they didn't know they still loved the sport as much as they did and had an opportunity to see something that they recognize, right? In a place that they recognize with people that they know from the past. And they're not intimidated by you know, the modern BMX track is kind of intimidating these days. Even the old guys who were around back in the day, they see what happens in the Olympics and, and wow, that does not look like what I used to do. Right. But also they hear about something that is like they used to do. And now they're dragging, you know, their kids or their grandkids to say, Hey, grandpa, g wants to go do this. Right. You, you can come with me and bring that strider too. Right. So, and yeah. of course, then they, it bridges the gap for them, right? 
um, of interest level. And pretty soon, you know, frog only happens once a year, right? I'm not going to do it every week and whatever we can't. So, but now they got it, you know, they were infected with it, right? The BMX, you know, flu or whatever it is. Right. And so they need to exercise that scratch that itch and, you know, Oak Creek or Manteca or whatever is going to solve it for them. And the kids are just happy to be on two wheels with G paw and G paw is kind of trying to figure out how to, ride these funny bikes with the seats too low and whatever but that's what everybody's doing these that's what all the kids are doing right so they start doing it and pretty soon they're forming a team you know and other team managers and you know and at the end of the day you know those kinds of riders man are the best people to have as like team managers and starting teams because they know they've been around they've you know their learning curve to is very short to figuring it out right yeah have to kind of get their you know their wings wet a little bit you know to get going again you know so that's true i think that's good i and and i would agree with that i think the some of the conversations and like we touched on a little bit earlier is those conversations that you can have and those and kids being able to walk through and see even the the evolution of bicycles and how far those have come because there are, there are a lot of kids that show up at Frogtown and they've only ever seen an elite race bike and not every bike is, is like that. And it doesn't have to be. And to be able to, to ride some of the older bikes, um, I think is really fun for kids and to be able to see again, where the sport originated and some of those people that were out advocating for the sport before it was, um, before it was something that was as easily accessible. Um, and yeah. Yeah. You know, um, the third turn at Frogtown, the flat turn, famous flat turn, right. Okay. It was an accident right um that we didn't get you know that turn originally um in the original track was above the road that kind of cuts through the whole venue there's a stump there and that third turn went around that stump with a real berm kind of like the second turn it had a real major berm around it right but the, i don't know somehow over the 40 years the tree fell down and they cut it down so and they put the road through and whatever you know so um so we we're going to have our third turn, but it'll be below the road. And we wanted it to be a real berm and just didn't get around to doing it. Right. So it started off with <laughs> kind of flat and then, okay, we banked a little bit and finally we just ran out of time and said, okay, leave it. Right. Became the most popular part, most talked about photographed, whatever part of the whole weekend, you know, everything of consequence action wise happened in that turn. Right. And it was just because it was part of this whole idea that, you know, the riders young and old either didn't know how or forgotten how to put their foot out. Right. And going to that turn, which, which pedal, you know, you got the left arm up, <laughs> not flat, not left arm down for sure. Like figuring that whole thing out was amazing to watch the first year because you could tell the kids they weren't used to that having to put their foot out and they have their own style of putting their foot out you know and it was kind of funny to watch and and then you saw these guys you knew were either a pro level or an expert level rider 30 or 40 years ago had completely forgotten how to put their foot out and they just slide out and they just auger into the ground just ride it handlebars wheels slipping out they just no idea on how to put, take their foot off the pedal to try to save them you know they just go face first you know mouth guard grind right into the ground you know and that, i mean that's again what makes it unique too so yeah i did not know that that was an accident and and that it goes to show that sometimes those things that just don't that aren't intentional sometimes they sometimes they turn out to be really happy accidents um and and yeah so we will never put a berm on that corner no it makes sense because and i 
I mean, if somebody told me that there should be a berm there, I would advocate against it because it makes for one of the most fun corners. It's action packed. You can, you can put people all around that corner and say, okay, watch, because there will be some carnage here. Um, oh, yeah. You're coming in at a high rate of speed, you know, the corner's kind of downhill, right? And it's not super yeah. tight. But it's not really wide either. And it always has loose dirt on the out, end of the outside of it, right? And it's a little off camber, you know, even though we kind of bank up the, the front side of it, it kind of tapers off into kind of an off camber deal and provides plenty of hijinks for everybody to watch. So it does, um, you know, perhaps the best compliment we got on the racetrack this year, which we know was by far the best one we'd, we've done. It just keeps getting better. It's the same track, but it just keeps getting dialed in a little bit more, a little bit more. Was when Eric Carter from Dirty Fest came up to me and he said, Huff, this racetrack is so good right now. You can pass anywhere on it. You can ride race the whole racetrack and there's a place to make a move, right? He goes, I definitely have my work cut out for me for next year's Dirty Fests for track design. That's and cool. I that was a good compliment. I love that. You know, so. it's neat. One of the things that that EC said to me was uh, that he loved the way that the the second corner caused everybody to bunch back up because um, that was one of the things that he didn't love about the the Dirty Fest track was that everybody could get out and be a little bit more single file. Yeah, um, and spread out. Yeah. Along the way. And he's like, yeah, man, it kind I of goes want... uphill just a little bit. It could go up just a little bit. And the way it drops into the thing, you kind of can set up and, you know. You can make some some passes there. You've got you've got braking bumps going into the turn. You've got a, a wonky, yeah. a wonky berm that's super fun. And uh and I thought it was great because Eric's response was, I want, I want bars bar to bar and elbow to elbow the whole track. And, and even more so than the prior two years, this year, I saw more f fun, funny, wow, crash moments in that turn than maybe the other turns from years before, right? I mean, that yeah. crash that Todd Lines had, where he ends up upside down looking at his own butt, you know, twisted <laughs> like a buckle, you know, was like, wow, that happened there. You know, um, last year, 2022, when we were, I think it was Saturday morning or something. I see Terry Tanette going over to the turn and he had a shovel in his hand, like he's going to help, you know, groom the track or something. And he's kind of digging in right at the beginning or the, before the turn drops in. And I just, I saw what was going on. I go, Terry, what are you doing? He says, Oh man, I'm just, I'm trying to um, pull this rock out of here, right? Okay. I said, Terry, don't touch it. That rock has been there for 40 years. Takes <laughs> across that rock. That's what we're here for, is to ride across that rock. You know? <laughs> and he goes, okay, I get it. <laughs> he put the shovel down <laughs> and walked away, you know? So That's cool. I have a great photo of, of me from 1980 or 81 going into that turn about where that rock is. And it's me and Ben Troya going into that turn together. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so... That's really neat. Yeah, to, the the stories that come up, and I mean, when you when you can get people into a space where there where all of a sudden there are all these reminiscent stories of you know the good old days, whatever whatever that may look like. It's so fun to be around those stories. And although I wasn't I wasn't there, I didn't get to ride Frogtown with you. There's so much of me that can appreciate the stories and the memories that you made and the experiences that you had. And, and the only way that, that people are able to pass on those stories and pass on that legacy is if they're able to share those stories and have people that connect with it and hear from it and, and understand it and get it. Yeah. You know, I, I would, you know, based on this conversation and whatever your your listeners or viewers, um, highly recommend going to the Frogtown website. And I think it's on the About Us or History part. You got to kind of click around the website. But there's a some home movies that were taken at Frogtown 1977. Um, 
fun, fun viewing because you see some of these guys that are in there, Brent Patterson and John Cruz and Frank Post, you know, guys who come to Frogtown today or are sponsors of the event today are on the track racing, you know? That's cool. And it's the same track, you know, that that second wonky berm you were talking about, that's the original berm. We didn't build that. It's been there for 40 years. Wow. We just uncovered it. That is we super out cool. There, yeah, we walked out there in the spring or whatever, early summer of 2021. It was all covered with weeds and the whole field covered with weeds. And we walked out there and we went, oh my God, this is the, this berm is still here, you know? And it eroded some, you know, over the years, but heck, all we did is scrape it. And that's what we call the dinosaur berm, you know? Okay. So that's why, that's yeah. what that's called. So that makes sense. And those are the things that I wouldn't have known that. I didn't know yep. that. And so it's fun to be able to, to hear those stories. And any, anyway, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for stories anyway. So, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that, but, uh, yeah, I think to go to, to the Frogtown website to kind of see what, if you're listening to this, to see what the events all about. And, and I would even, I would even ask anybody that's listening to this, go, go on to Facebook, go on to Instagram. And if you've got stories and memories from Frogtown, talk about those, tag the event, tag those pages and, uh, and share those things. Because I think that it's, it's just so fun to, to get everybody collected in one place. It puts, puts everybody on a level playing field. Um, it's, it's really easy to walk into environments. It's, it would be easy to walk into that class reunion, um, that, that you reference that boring class reunion that just isn't great. You walk in with, with a spouse, you could bring a friend into that and they could go the whole time and feel uncomfortable, awkward, disconnected, but to be able to go to these old school BMX events, to be able to go to Frogtown isn't like that at all. You can bring somebody who's never been on a bike and all of a sudden they're having fun. They're laughing, they're smiling, they're hearing about the sport or somebody that's brand new to the sport. And all of a sudden they fall in love with it and they're getting cheered on just the same as somebody who's been around for 40 years. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it is the universal sport of fun, right? And, uh, you know, that's why we like doing it. And, you know, we're set up to kind of keep doing that up there. You know, the 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 fairgrounds have been really nice about us, um, like <laughs> making some permanent um, fixtures to the racetrack. You know, we've had the starting gate and starting structure has now evolved into where we have a real legit starting pad and uh, room to put our starting, you know, that's laying seriously concrete courtesy of our, sponsor g6 concrete um but for them to allow us to put some permanent fixtures in yeah. place is is really helpful because hey you know it's just like we added a a ram to pull the gate up well, well yeah for sure we didn't have that 40 years ago but you know what the gate's heavy and we have to find two or three volunteers to lift that thing up for three days and it's kind of dangerous in case you falls on someone and they let it go and it falls on someone's foot or something so why not have some modern technology and pull the damn thing up? Right. And uh, so, you know, all for the authenticity deal, but I ain't stupid, you know? So, you know, yeah. Yeah. You can add in some modern things and it, it doesn't, it doesn't ruin it. And I think yeah. people can complain about anything, but ultimately the bottom line is that we get to go racing and, that's the fun yeah, part and the, and the hill and the, that those turns of the old berm and the flat turn i mean those are the those are the stars of the weekend is that hill and that track you know absolutely I mean? for sure i tell people that all the time the real <laughs> the real star is that hill you know because that doesn't exist anymore you know? yeah yeah so that for that first straight i was talking to somebody who said i thought i saw a picture that hill looked pretty big but then i saw another picture and it didn't look that bad and i said oh here let me show you and i pulled up a video of the starting hill and he goes oh that's a huge hill and i said it's super cool because you you get eight guys just sprinting towards that first berm and you've got some serious speed yeah um, well when you see this the, you know and and of course the, the 
the track was made for side hack racing, right? I mean, the side hacks, and those are something that there's kind of a novelty, but man, you don't have to know crap about BMX to appreciate the fun of watching those things go, right? Whether it's as accomplished racers as the Crawford brothers or some newbies, right? That don't know where you put your head or you're supposed to put your foot out or whatever. You just know they're having a great time and and uh, it's fun to watch for, you know, whoever is watching, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a good time. I think it's it's a place that the entire family can hang out and have fun, which is BMX in general, but I think especially uh, the Frogtown Classic has just been something that I I just admire. I, I'm so thankful for what you've done, what you've put into that, and what you the amount of time that you've invested into uh, just this opportunity. I know it's not just for me, but sometimes I feel like it's you know for me. <laughs> hey, we were able to bond with you and your dad for a whole several days then up there by you guys jumping in and helping, which is a huge help. And, you know, that's what, you know, we appreciate you, Jay, like being one of those guys to give a, a task to that maybe wouldn't seem all that fun to do, but you're like, Hey, I'm on it. You know what else you need? And just kept taking more stuff on. And, you know, as a guy whose head was about ready to explode every day, every minute of every day for a week, you know, it was helpful to have moments like that. So I appreciate it. Good. Well, well, that's the goal is my, my goal is always to take as much stress away from you as I can. So um, <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get rid of all of it, but uh, I knew that if I, I knew that I was oh, capable of accomplishing some monotonous tasks. So. And Hey, before I forget, just for those uh, thinking of coming or been there before we're and speaking of that Hill and being tired and being 60 years old and trying to get back up that Hill for your next moto, we're really going to consider a ways to, create a shuttle to get people mm. back up to the hill that have a a moto coming up really soon so i don't know yeah. do you have to do you have to is there a qualifier to be able to use the shuttle do you have to have been there for at least a year prior and know the no i mean if you don't have a moto for 50 photos you you don't need to use the shuttle but if you're coming up in five that's true 10, you, know, you know we'll be able to hitch a ride with a little flatbed to behind us side by side or something to get you back up the hill. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get that. Um, no, I was just thinking like, maybe you have to have had the experience of no shuttle and the hiking back <laughs> up and forth and you have to qualify a year prior. <laughs> no, too many people saw that interview with Chris Moller or whatever, talking about racing four or five classes and <laughs> when was on the gate. Right. So and that's the other thing that maybe the two moto system is going to help, right? Because more guys might want to ride another class. They can ride their, you know, their era class, right, for the bike. And then they can ride their age group class, age group open for their buddy or a cruiser class or whatever. So, yeah. um, and maybe they won't need the shuttle, you know, so. That's cool. Well, that's fantastic, man. Todd, thank you. Thank you so much. Um. I, I, again, thank you for, for what you did. And, um, you know, to, to Johnny, thank you for the effort that you guys collaborated and the way that you made this happen. I know there's so many other people that were a part of bringing this dream to reality, but, um, but thank you for, uh, for just the opportunity and thanks for taking the time to have a conversation about it. And my goal in this is that it helps to promote the event and, create a further bridge between that old school and new school bmx world well that's what we like to do and we do have a great team of people and i you know i, I tell everybody i go i know it's hard work and no one's getting paid you know but just do not forget how many smiles you're putting on faces for three days you know and they all get it all of our key guys and you know all of them um they understand that that's why they do it too so you know that's what it's all about it is yeah it's it's an incredible event so i will continue right. advocating on on your behalf as well we and do. everybody come yeah september 6th through the 8th all right september 6th through the 8th 2024 be yep. there it's gonna yep. be incredible and without you know feels like there's going to be something the following weekend on the fairgrounds website too, the gold country classic, which will be a mountain bike, e-bike racing and consumer expo that'll follow up. So 
Oh, wow. Cool. Something yeah. to do the following weekend as well. Yep. Just hmm. stay in Angel's Camp. Perfect. Well, Todd, okay. thank you. Have an incredible day. And uh, we'll All talk right. Jay, thanks, buddy. Good job, cool. man. <laughs> Take care. Okay, bye. Peace. Bye. Thank you for joining us in today's episode. It is because of people like you and our sponsors who make this whole thing possible because they have a desire to see the sport grow. If you would like to get involved in the mission of BMX Breakthrough, you can start by going to your local track, find a way to volunteer, help out, and serve there. Or you can go to our website, bmxbreakthrough.com, in order to donate, find out about sponsorship, or learn more.